Hey gang, it's John. Thank you for listening to another promo mode. I am coming to you from my front lawn again because it is an unseasonably warm, beautiful day here in Denver in December. So why not? That's why you hear cars drive by. We welcome back to this week a couple of our very favorite ladies, Maya Sharp and Garrison Starr. And here's why. It's for a couple of reasons. First and foremost, they're friends in real life. And when we realized that before, we thought it'd be fun for the three of us to hop on and have a chat sometime the next time they were together. Secondly, they both have new projects to talk about that I wanted to get the word out on because we love them so much. First of all, Maya, as you know, earlier this year, put out her latest album, Reckless Thoughts. We talked about that on her episode, but she's also been doing some production work again. She, as you might remember, she produced for Art Garfunkel and others earlier. Well, now she's working with this duo named Sarah and Shannon. She talks about it in here. They are wonderful. And she has produced a few singles of theirs, one of which is this one. This is, as you can tell, is the cover of the Dave Matthews song, Where Are You Going? I just think it's hauntingly beautiful. I love this, and I love her work on it. Now, secondly, Garrison just put out, well, she par- she sometimes teams up with singer-songwriter Sean McConnell, and they put out EPs under the name My Sister, My Brother, and they just released a new one. And it, it's in keeping with the same sort of hauntingly spiritual Americana music that Garrison is known for. Known for. So that's out there as well. And because it's them, this conversation just leads to their, you know, experiences as gay women in the music industry, especially coming out in the 90s, which is when both of their careers started and the kind of conversations they were having with record labels at the time who were trying to figure out what to do with them. You know, do we talk about it? Do we not talk about it? If we talk about it, are we just looking at promoting them to a gay audience? Can we expand beyond that? The challenges around this are just immense. And so anyway, it's just fascinating to get to know these two wonderful women better, learn more about their experiences, and then obviously celebrate their fantastic music. So that's what we wanted to do because we love them so much. I hope you'll listen and I hope you hear some things you like and go back and check out more of their own solo work, if nothing else, because we love them. Anyway, when we recorded this, they were at Garrison's house in L.A. Okay, one of the reasons I wanted to do this with both of you is because, one, I love you both very much. Number two, because you both have recent projects that I thought were worthy of talking about. And the fact that you two being, <laughs> I, keep, I was thinking before we hopped on, Maya, when I was, when I jokingly mentioned when you and I talked before that all lesbian artists know must know each other. And yeah. then, but then that's not really true. But in this case, it did turn out to be true. Yeah. And uh, so anyway. I want to get kind of up to speed on what you guys are doing. Before I do that, though, I got to say, Garrison, I was listening to your episode on Records Revisited this oh. weekend. Those guys are buddies of mine, Ben specifically, or I know Ben better than I know Wayne. I go on that podcast a lot, actually. They they invite me on whenever someone cancels, and so we talk about whatever we talk about. But it was just great to hear you on there. At my, I hope you go on there, too. It's They love Americana music. It was a perfect kind of venue for the both of you, I think. Did you, uh, now, Ani DeFranco, I don't have a lot of history with Ani DeFranco, though. Yeah. Well, you know, one of my, um, I have a a friend in Memphis who um, is a DJ at the Weevil, which is the community, like, NPR station. I'm not sure if it's even an, it may be a non-com station. Anyway, whatever. I don't remember what all the terms mean, but the point is, so Ed Dermeyer, um, had turned me on to her, and and he said, "Look, her voice—you kind of got it. She's got a thing, you know. It's like a thing, and some people like it, some people don't like it. But I really think you'll love her music." So it was weird at first, like the vocals, because it's such a specific thing. But then, obviously, like once I got into her music, I just fell in love with it because it's so, you know, oh man, she's so raw and just like doesn't give a fuck, you know, just Sinead O'Connor in all over the place. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, man, and I got to say, Wayne, so I'm, I think I'm getting them, I'm not getting them confused. I'm pretty sure Wayne's the one I'm talking about. Wayne went in depth. 
He this is guy a master brought. at the lyrics and everything. Yes. Dude, he came in and I was just like, oh my God, I am yeah. under, I am like underprepared for this. Like I thought, oh, it's, you know, I know this stuff. I, I even uh-huh. listened to it a couple more times, but like this dude, yeah. he was like, yeah, but you can see the connections between, you know, when she had the abortion and then just the oh, whole record. God. And I'm just like, what the fuck? I'm like, this guy is like, I felt so terrible. I was just like, man, I should have like, I had no idea. Now, if I ever do that show again, I'll know what to bring because Wayne has gone deep. I mean, he was like connected. Like, he yeah. can see the connections, you know. Prepared a syllabus on the. Dude, I'm not even joking. I'm not even joking. He prepared like a whole thing. It was unbelievable. Yeah, it really is. He goes deep on that. He's so good at that. And Ben handles all the kind of more interviewee part at the beginning about, you know, your latest projects and stuff. And then Wayne goes, yeah, we've done, I don't know, eight or nine of those or something like that. But now. Um, But with the Ani DeFranco thing, though, start with, you should start with like around 1995. It's like, uh, I mean. Not a pretty girl. The record that we talked about, and then dilate those. Those yeah. two I would start with. There's, so, I mean, it's so good. Okay. And then you can kind of fan out from around it, but it's really. I good. I never I didn't skip it. Well, maybe I did skip it a little bit on purpose. To be completely honest, being in college in the '90s, so many girls had Ani DeFranco albums, yeah. and I just sort of thought that that she would be an artist that wasn't necessarily for me. You know. So I kind of skipped it, and I didn't hear her on the radio often enough or anything like that. Yeah, to she didn't really dive get in. a lot of that. Yeah, um, she didn't get a whole lot of radio. Yeah, I don't I mean, know. She I was just, like from when I from when I remember, she was the first person, at least, that we all started hearing about that was successfully independent. That was yeah. not signing on to all of the things that we all kind of wanted. Right. And she was like, nope, I'm going to do this alone. And she was making it work. And that yeah. I actually heard about her first because of that. Like, I, yes. I heard that, you know, story of her before I even heard the music. And, it, yeah. and whether or not you like her thing, you have to respect that. Because she was a trailblazer there, right? Totally <laughs> agree. Totally agree. Selling records out of the trunk of her car. I mean, you know, she has a line in one of her songs that says, I've made my own empire out of car parts and chicken wire. And it's like, that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And see, I just didn't, I didn't get the value of that. It's one, when I look back, I'm like, man, she, she was ahead of her time. Yeah. She knew. I don't know if it was her or her team. I mean, I would imagine it was her and then, you know, whatever. But they got it right. I mean, you know, yeah. it's like, she now she's so far ahead of everybody now like mm-hmm. everybody like in her genre and that's doing that especially the folk thing it's like she's so far ahead of the game she's already now she's already got her whole thing right you know there's so many artists who now are trying to scramble and rebuild myself included yeah. you know and it's and if we had just known you know i was curious about this both of you starting out in the 90s similar to her um was and on I think you were both coming out on major labels or not independent uh-huh. artists necessarily, right? Yeah, I was like a, I was more of a medium label, actually kind oh, of were a you? Okay. medium. Yeah, and yours was major. Okay. I had my first deal on a major, yeah. yeah. Okay. I was curious what kind of conversations you guys were having with your labels behind the scenes about how to package you. Because oh. they love to package women. It's not a good conversation. I mean, I, I don't have anything good to say about it, but I'll tell you what I went well, through. This is what, exactly I, this is what, what I'm the fuck I went through. I'll tell you, somebody well, said to me straight to my face, we can't have you looking like one of the Indigo girls. So, straight okay. to my face. I was like, excuse me, you mean two artists who are being authentically themselves and like raging through grabbing fans everywhere because they're right. just being authentic? You mean yeah. you don't want me to be like that? Who fill theaters everywhere they Fuck go you. and everybody you know, sings these, along. These us. girls are out there doing their thing. Yeah. They don't care. I mean, listen, if not for the Indigo Girls, not for a lot of other artists. You yeah. know what I mean? Again, yes. myself included, because they uh-huh. gave me the courage to do my thing. I mean, you know, they they paved a way for me when I didn't have a way. I saw, you yeah. know, that was like, oh, my God, they're talking about stuff that I understand. I'll go that way. Yeah. There is hope. But... Yeah. Do you even think it would have been possible to like, well, first of all, I just bogarted the whole thing, but it's like, no, it's okay. I don't even know if it would have been possible for me. Well, first of all, just the place that I was in in my life, I'd just come out of being rejected from my entire community and outed as being gay before I even had a chance to like wrap my head around it. 
So there was that. So I was totally unprepared for being thrown into this situation where I had to just know who I was and map out a plan for myself. That was not happening, you know, but I don't even know if I could have done that. I mean, I had an I had an instance at Vanguard where they they were like, we're going to put out superhero again. And I was like, that's a terrible idea. And I sat at lunch with two of the heads of the label where they just bullied right over me and was like, don't worry about it. It'll be fine. I was like, so I don't even know if I could have. I don't even know if I could have done it the way it should have been right. done. You know, right. I don't you know. That is in the way that they thought they were asking you to do it. Yeah, like, well, should they have, don't even really know. Well, should have in the way that, like, you know, if, if I could have curated a better experience myself, yeah. maybe somebody would have had the foresight to say, hey, Garrison, let's sit down and talk about your image and maybe what, who are some artists that you like or here's some things we could do or what do you, do you feel like I can see you're kind of a tomboy. Maybe we'll go to an androgynous mm-hmm. place and get you some clothes that make you feel like yourself instead of putting me in, like, you know, all this fashion crap and slicking my hair back in a way, like, you know, like I was never going to wear that stuff. I was never going to put makeup on and go sweat on stage. Like, I've just never been that person. I get it. I get that part of the game, but it's like, Uh but it's so, but it's so different for females than it is for males. I mean, I could go on. I could go on, you know? Also, there might be, it sounded like there was also, uh, quite a difference between the major label experience and the smaller label experience because mine was more kind of independent they were the reincarnation of irs records and they were i was one of the first uh acts to come out on that new imprint and they did have a conversation with me that was similar to that it's like okay well maybe like we play up the androgyny a little bit hey do you want to be like open about that like do we want to go to out press because we'll get more press if we go to curve and advocate and out you will get some more attention there as a new artist but also then you might be known as that for a while that might be like the first line of the bio when people write about you so right let's figure this out and i never really figured it out because i i did want the press and of course as a brand new baby artist brand new album nobody's heard of me i had i had a share cut in the shoot but that wasn't enough for like for anybody to really pay attention to me as a new artist. I was getting a little bit of AAA play, but I'd, I wanted some more attention. So I said yes to having the feature in Out and, you know, uh, a few of those other rack. I think the Philadelphia News, there was something I did there that was nice. Um, but that was kind of my earliest press. And then I did for like the next year had to circle back and get the PR person to make sure, because it happened over and over again, that the new uh, bio that went up on Wikipedia, the new like, the new bios that other people were writing about me would literally start with the word lesbian. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And like singer songwriter and like all of the other things that I was doing and whatever they thought of the music was the second or third thing. And yeah. I, so I, I, that the thing that they warned me and that I suspected did happen, but I spent a lot of time circling back and trying to clean that up. And I, I think I managed to avoid being known as lesbian first. I think I managed that. But also, I, I'm sure a big part of being able to navigate that water at all was that I was on a smaller label where yeah. I had some more say. They had less money riding on me. They had, you know, everything was just kind of in a smaller field. They're okay with maybe reaching a smaller audience. All of those things work to my favor, I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wondered about that. I, I look back at your both of your earlier albums, and Garrison's got that cute pixie haircut, and you've got your really glamorous, kind of full-bodied brunette hair on Hardly Glamour. And I'm just imagining the behind-the-scenes conversations, like you were saying. Do we cast a wide net and hope that enough people out there attach themselves to these artists, or do we go very <laughs> specific down the advocate aisle or whatever, like you were saying, and hope that that creates a groundswell and that we get a lot of those people. And so where do you go all in or do you, you know what I mean? Well, yeah. I mean, they didn't, that the way they did that for me was we're not going after any of that press till they weren't getting the press they wanted. Then they wanted to throw me to the wolves there. And I was like, no, not us. 
you know, no. So at first, I mean, when you first come out, they aren't talking about lesbianism. They and said then when you're straight not up, catching, we're not going after okay. it. We're not going after it. And I remember telling them, even that young, I was like, yo, we just go after all of it. We either go after all of it or you just do your little thing. But don't don't now like make it sloppy seconds you're going to go to advocate now that you didn't want to yeah. go there. And now you're going to go there because you're not getting what you wanted. And, you know, I mean, listen, the truth of the matter is that in the 90s, it was not OK. It was not accepted. To, mm-hmm. I mean, you had to look a certain way like I was never going to be successful in that realm not like yeah. that not yeah. like a jewel or like right. you know like even like an alanis morissette you know i mean well you know i mean her stuff was so different at the time but it's like i was never and she was way more punk and she way but she was straight yeah you know it's like if i had been straight i don't think it would have mattered you know i mean i don't know that any, i mean mm-hmm. it, i just think if i had been straight my trajectory would have been a lot different because I think I would have been in a different mindset. I don't even know what a straight mindset looks like, but I would imagine it's that you don't feel, you know, fucking scrutinized every five minutes and people aren't trying to say you're a lesbian singer songwriter. It's like, what's a lesbian singer songwriter? Someone who comes flying out with their vagina wide open, singing songs (laughs) out of it. It's like, what does that even mean? (laughs) You know, it's like, and I really resented that. I resented it so much. I just felt like, you know, but, but again, like for me, I was so broken and just confused and I was having an identity crisis. So it's like, I really, I was just kind of a loose end flying around. It wasn't my yeah. fault. You know, yeah. it was just like, you know, I couldn't protect myself in ways that I needed to be protected. Like in some yeah. of those situations, like, you know, when a label decides barely 10 years after your biggest single comes out, they're going to re-release another version of it. It's like, yeah. okay, a lot of those yeah. people are still at those radio stations. Not a good idea. But yeah. anyway. Maya, did you see a, uh, have you seen over the, because I will admit, I was turned on to both of your careers without knowing that you were lesbians. Granted, it was because I worked at Tower Records and I got a bunch of free CDs. And when songs from Take Off to Landing and when Art Garfunkel come on my desk and I listen to them and fall in love, I'm not thinking about whether anyone's gay or not. I just love what I hear. And then I start paying attention from there. Were you, have you been finding, um, limitations did you find limitations to where how broad you could be or where you could play or where you would get played for a while because i'm imagining with people like brandy carlisle and phoebe bridgers and stuff like that a lot of those walls are coming seem to be coming down now. yes but, oh my know? god I'm such a phoebe fan I love yeah her she lives yeah. two streets over from me. that's so great she lives she literally like boink boink she's rocking yeah, yeah i probably shouldn't say right that i probably shouldn't say that on the air because <laughs> if she ever came across this she'd be like well, how do you know that <laughs> i know <laughs> my wife is a real estate agent so we know what i think <laughs> um I mean, it's feeling like my, because I had only small to mid-level label experiences. I I just haven't pushed up against that um, quite as much. Um, yeah, I was signed to R21, which was the IRS imprint or, you know, the new imprint. And then I, uh, I went, went over to Concord. Then I went to Koch, then E1, uh, which is pretty much a reincarnation of Koch. In fact, it was the same person who signed me each time. <laughs> so, um, but they all, uh, they all offered, you know, that kind of creative freedom. And I'm so happy to hear that when you heard the music, uh, you didn't necessarily know that about it because it never occurred to me. another, like, of course, I don't have any, any shame about who I am, but I don't write songs about that. You know, I, I like writing songs about the human experience. I like mm-hmm. writing songs that everybody can relate to, no mm-hmm. matter what their gender identity is, who they're attracted to. It's a love thing. It's a loss thing. It's a world thing. It's a self-identification thing, you know, exactly. a confidence and doubt thing. Like all that shit is human. Mm-hmm. So that, that's what I've, that's what I, I'm excited to write songs about. And I guess, if, I guess I did that long enough. None of my songs are about the struggle no. of that particular side of me because mm-hmm. there's plenty of other struggles. and Or there's a way to talk about a struggle like that that could be any challenge. Mm-hmm. It's not just like, it's not just that. So yeah. that I, I, I think that, uh, you know, the circling back 
of the PR person, like, hey, let's not lead with the L word. Maybe let's just put it, a, you know, maybe two thirds down the bio, you know, <laughs> um, or not at all, because yeah. who cares? Um, I think that and then consistently just writing about general human things, yeah. I think eventually years in, four or five years in, and also being on the indie level for pretty much all of it, the medium label at the largest. And then in between my label deals, I would release my own stuff and, you know, work out a framework that I could survive until the next thing. Mm -hmm. And this was back in the time when having a publishing deal or a label deal was pretty much how I knew to survive, how we yeah. all knew to really survive. Like, yeah. You know, Ani DeFranco had figured it out early, but I hadn't figured it out. <laughs> and the and I didn't know how to fit into the kind of indie version of the business until pretty recently. Mm -hmm. And so I yeah, so I guess I guess I managed to I managed to hang in there. Yeah. You know, hop the lily pads for long enough oh, man, yeah. i think about keep, that all the keep time. on going yeah, yeah, and too. now for and now fortunately it's not like uh, oh you know there's that homo singer songwriter it's like that's true nobody is really talking about it and that no. to me is the ultimate arrival yes. the day nobody cares yeah is the most victorious day that's when we should have a parade that nobody yes. cares finally day parade yeah <laughs> right. i totally agree I think, I think too, I was just thinking about this, you know, since I had just come out of basically being like, you know, lynch mobbed, mm -hmm. you know, by like all the people who loved me and mm -hmm. Jesus, Jesus, mm -hmm. you know, Jesus would totally be this mm -hmm. way. Um, you know, I needed to repent before. I was just shaking her head. This is yeah. Like, amazing. so I no, had just been awful. through that. So then I get to this major label and now we're having a similar conversation about, well, we can't talk about this and that. It's like, you know, it was really triggering and unsafe. So for me, I was like, I don't want to talk about it at all because yeah. I just came from this traumatic situation. And can we please, can that not be the focus? Yeah. Because for me, it was like, why do I have to label myself as anything? Why can't I just be Garrison who does what she does and sings what she sings and loves who she loves? Why can't it be that? Yeah. You know, I mean, because I did see the damage. And again, I hope nobody, no, no gay person is listening to this and feeling like, you know, I don't want to claim being gay. That's not it. It's just not my identity and it never has been. And I have always resented that it has to be, you know, because I don't care. I don't care. And I'm not afraid for people to know clearly, but I lost control of my own narrative in yeah. the very beginning. And so a lot of my journey has been working that out, you know, and I'm happy to be gay, but I don't have rainbow flags flying all over the place because it's just not me. Right. And so I resented, I resented having to even be in that position in the first place because it wasn't an issue for me, yeah. you know. But then, so anyway, I don't know. I was just thinking like that. The, the trauma that I had been through also really informed a lot of the things that I did or didn't say in the beginning because I was so unsafe. I didn't, yeah. I didn't know who to trust. I didn't feel safe with anybody, mm. you know, so it wasn't a great, I, I didn't go into that thing in a great place, you know? I bet. I could totally see that. Circling back then to your own work, I feel like Maya specifically, Kind off the new album is almost like an anthem to this way of thinking. You can put your faith in a pipe dream, jalapeno peppers in your ice cream. Wear the colors of another team None of that matters to me Go on and drive your Maserati in the slow lane Catch a tidal wave in a hurricane You got 27 letters in your last name It doesn't make a difference to me My kind of people are kind people My kind of people are kind If you got a good heart, that's a good start your hair like a palm tree have your meat and three or your chickpeas get yourself stung saving honeybees call who you call when you fall on your knees my kind of people are kind people my kind of people 
you know, of especially at a time like now, which it's so difficult just to accept people for who they are. And um, well, it's more it's more difficult to accept people for who they are politically than it is sexually. I think for a lot of us, I, uh, you know what yeah. I mean? Uh, well, I have a way me, can I interject oh, one thing? I just yeah. was going to say, you know, but the thing is, and this is the other thing I was going to say, like when you lead with polarizing statements like that, you know, that it's going to automatically people are going to see yes. you. Differently. I mean, yeah, you're talking yeah. about politically, any of that, like, now it's like, you know, we're going to lead with this because we know it's going to do this. Uh -huh, and it's like, uh -huh. you know, it puts people at, you know, it's like you yeah. were talking about it. You heard the music and you didn't think twice about it. Well, that's you. But yeah. if somebody had said to you, oh, Maya, you know, it's like yeah. her dad was a Nazi or whatever. If somebody puts yeah. ideas into your head and then you're going to listen to the music, it's like he wasn't. He wasn't. I, I'm sorry. I just made that up. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying, he like, still isn't. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, if somebody puts an yeah. idea out there and then yeah. you're supposed to go listen to the it music at all, with yes, no, the color is your whole experience. Yeah, I, get, no matter I agree. Today, yesterday. I mean, you know, anyway, so. I agree. When I saw you live here recently with Sarah and Shannon and you closed the show with kind and mm -hmm. I thought it just, it drove home. I think the potential of that song to, to be sort of a, a an anthem or a, you know, a, it summarizes what we need at this time. Kind of like, you know, I want to buy the world a Coke or whatever. It's just this <laughs> uplifting Thank think you. things differently kind of song you know it really is well i wonder where we could get traction for that song it needs to be in a movie or commercial or a, in some place you know what i yeah. mean uh, if you have any other ideas i mean <laughs> i'm pitching it everywhere yeah. i have uh you know i have a sync licensing company pitching it and i've been playing it around and good my co-writers you know dean fields and minnie smith they've been you know they've been trying yeah. to find, i you know, I I have faith that that'll land somewhere. It most of the really cool things that have happened to me happened to me in a, in, a, in an unexpected way at a time that I didn't expect. So like, yeah. I'm fully prepared for that song to to find its home in like three years. Yeah, like yeah. it just it it's it's usually some kind of sideways thing, uh -huh. and. Okay, first of all, thank you for saying that. And we we sat down to write that song. And of course, we talked about all of the obvious things. Like, it doesn't matter what your skin color is. It doesn't matter what your sexual identity is. It doesn't matter who you love. It doesn't matter who you pray to or not. But we don't want to say those things. Like, that's what, that's what everybody's already saying. So how do we imply it in all of these kind of light, lighter ways that no one from any side of the aisle can have a problem with. Exactly. <laughs> so, you nailed it. So we look for all yeah, of these quirky things, right? And it's perfect. And all, and the song being sort of peppy and and uh, positive, it puts a positive spin on a message that you could have just as e easily couched a song about this topic into something darker or heavier or more, you know, more ponderous. Like we got to really feel this, but instead, it's a bright sunny uplifting kind of thought you know oh i it's so funny that you say that because it started our writing day started on the darker note we were like really? we were so frustrated that this was yeah. 2019 it's the previous administration uh -huh. and we were all like what the fuck yeah. is going on with human kindness like people are unapologetically unkind yeah. to other people making fun of people who need help like what the hell is even happening now what no. is this okay now no it is not okay like we all came in pretty irritated pretty angry and we wrote a couple lines down that path and we we're like you know what first of all i don't want to sing that that's uh -huh. not fun you know that's I, who wants to who needs to hear that everybody already has their own running list of stuff that is probably bothering them sure um how about we flip it. How about we lighten it up? And then yeah. it's then it was so fun to look for those little quirky things. And actually, I remember it was Mindy Smith, who's been a vegetarian for years, who was like, "Hey, you can have your meat and three or your chickpeas." <laughs> like, who? Like, no other song is gonna uh -huh. have meat and three, chickpeas, jalapeno peppers, uh -huh. Maseratis honeybees like yes. it's, it's it's super fun it is it's great i hope that song finds its rightful place in the world somewhere because it totally deserves it um speaking of okay like i said we wanted to kick it off with some 
newer projects. Let's talk about my sister and my brother. I don't know anything about Sean Garrison. How did this, how did this partnership happen? Because it's perfection. Thanks. Well, I do love it a lot, and I know he does too. We got we got um, hooked up together in a just a, a writing camp in Nashville. We were at um, just this publishing company writing camp, uh, and we got put into a random session with our friend Peter Gronwald, who wrote almost all the songs with us. Sean wrote Sean and I wrote one without him, but the rest of them we all wrote with we wrote with Peter, and. Um, I mean, that's just how it happened. We got paired up and we started singing together and he brought in this like really beautiful chorus to, to this song called Nothing Without You. He had half of it done. The chorus was done. And I'm like, nobody brings in a chorus like this. This can't be right. We got to change it up. Like, I tried so hard to change that up, and I kept messing with it. And I'm like, okay, you need to just accept the fact that this dude just brought this shit in here, and there's nothing to change about it. Yes. Um, and I was just blown away. I was blown away by his writing style and also his singing style. It's like, mm, it's, so good. it's really yes. hard to find people who can sing like that yeah. with you. You yes. know, it's like, you know, two together even better. Well, and you know, we we were like matching each other and stuff, and yes. it felt really natural, and it was it was fun. I've never had that experience with somebody who sings like that. Yeah, you know, soulfully and churchy. You know, you could tell when people have grown up in the church. It's just a yeah. different, you know, it's a different thing. It's cool to be able to sing with people like that because it just really is like a, it's a different thing. But um. Yeah. Yeah, I was just blown away by him immediately and just kind of fell in love with him, you know. Yeah. And so we've been, you know, making this music for the last several years and was cool to get the project out, you know. Ch you know, yeah. kudos to our manager, Ross Dupre, who really worked hard to make sure that that happened. So I'm glad that it's out into the world. And Yeah. Do you guys perform together? Do you go on tours together? How does well, <clears throat> we went we went on a tour we went on a little tour this past may that was super fun um i don't know what it's going to look like next year i know we hope to do some things it's also you know with all of the projects that i have going on and sean has going on it's like it takes a lot to focus it into a place where we can do that and um but i'm hoping that we will you know i'm yeah. not sure what that's going to look like but i'm hoping that we will good you know? i want to ask you specifically about the song another life Something, and I have a song, I have a similar question for you here in a second, Maya. When 
when lyrics get super specific and literal, I, I wonder, I do always think this has to be true. When you talk about like, we couldn't find a hotel. So we walked along around Santa Monica Boulevard, getting drunk. I'm thinking did she, this sounds so specific. She's shaking her head. No, but I'm thinking that had to really happen. No, no, it didn't happen. We just, uh, we started this groove in the studio and we just were all loving it. And just, you know, we just kind of threw some stuff out there that probably would happen if it were going to yeah. happen, but it hadn't happened. <laughs> like even a version of it didn't happen at some point. Um, yeah, where did that idea no. come from then? Okay. I don't know. We were just trying to think. I mean, I think we were just throwing out like, I don't know, throwing out fun stuff, you know, thinking yeah. about, thinking about what might be fun and kind of okay. off the cuff, you know, uh, uh, like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to disappoint. And... <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's okay. That's why I asked. Um, I mean, we, we got, we've gotten drunk in other places, but with sure. it, not specifically the way the song talks about. It's okay. Fun. Okay. Um, similarly, after seeing you live uh, here recently, Maya, and I bought Mercy Rising, I've been listening to it in the car a lot. I already had streamed it a ton of times, but anyway, um, you'll know who knows you. I know that this album is kind of your like divorce record in a way, but when you talk about uh, this, her, I heard you say once that you like the sound of a record bouncing off the yeah. wooden, the hardwood floors down the hall or something like yeah. that. That had to be real. Well, the, yes, the the um, images, the things that the character of the song is saying that I know you like, just to say, I have been listening. I know, I know what you don't like. I know what you do like. Those individual things, like I put a record on down the hall because I, I know that you like to hear it off the hardwood. Yeah. I know that you don't really like a candle burning. I know I how say, you like yeah. the temperature. I know that you like a little sip of crown on uh -huh. the side. Those were inspired by actual people, but they're not all one person. They're like, so like after we got the idea of, or, Actually, I think I had the line, you'll you'll know who knows you. I think I brought that in. Okay. And then once we kind of started rolling on like, okay, this is what this means. And we knew that we were going to need to come up with some <clears throat> some examples of that, like I'm of how I'm going to show you that I know you. Uh -huh. And so we started thinking of like, what could those things be? And I just pulled from the past i've thought uh -huh. those are like probably three different people that have that really? they're not really, one's not a fan of candles uh -huh. one likes the record on not too loud one likes the echo one likes it yeah i know it sounds like i'm a slut i'm not really this is like over 20 <laughs> this is over 30 years you know <laughs> and I, I remember those three oh, things in the past and it wasn't yeah. crown it was it was Glenn Livett, but you know, that's that okay. sing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. Wow. I've just been thinking about the, those lyrics over and over since getting ready to talk to you. And I, I thought I got to know the real story. Speaking of the real story. Okay. When uh, tell me about how you got hooked up with Sarah and Shannon, they, when you were on before you were telling me about shell, which I didn't know when you taught, when we talked about it then, but I do know better now that's their regular band. And they, Come no, explain it to me. So Sarah, Sarah Holbrook. So Sarah and Shannon is Shannon Labrie and Sarah 
Holbrook, and Sarah was in uh, a family band called Shell. She was the S in Shell. It's S H E L. Sarah, Hannah, Eva, and Liza. And she was in that band from a very young age. I'm not even sure how young, but every time I take a guess, the answer is actually younger. It's like she was maybe 12 or something like that. And they were out there uh, on the road, just like working full time on the road all the time, making records on the road. Um, And that that band, uh, you know, kind of wound out a couple years ago, Sarah and Liza moved to Nashville um, and they're just kind of looking to do something new. Sarah and Shannon Labrie met through their publisher, I believe. And my booking agent, Liz Barnes, knew Sarah from Colorado. So Liz introduced me to Sarah and then Sarah brought in Shannon because they were starting this brand new project. Like they, they had like just started to write for it. What they weren't even sure what their sound is yet, and they had, um, you know, it, it it could have potentially been a lot a lot of different things. Shannon plays everything: piano, electric guitar, acoustic guitar. Sarah is a wicked violin player, mm-hmm. mandolin, acoustic. Their voices are very different from each other, but there's a complementary thing there. They they kind of remind me of the story in the way they complimented themselves. Remember the story, Jonathan Brooke and Jennifer Kimball? Their voices are so oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. different. Jonathan yeah, yeah. has kind of more of a sizzly high voice and Jennifer's voice was always like a little more kind of round and lower and uh, I don't know, it kind of reminded, actually Jennifer's voice always kind of reminded me of mine and and of Sarah's, like it's it's on the lower <laughs> side, it's on the round, you know, it doesn't have that, it doesn't have that higher range and all that. Yes. <laughs> but Sarah and Shannon complement each other so well and I got in there really early, like I, I was maybe their second co-write mm. and we started writing together got a couple songs uh, finished and started to record them in my studio just like as we were writing them and the sound of them started to take shape just through that experience and then by our third writing appointment or so they were like so we've been talking uh-huh. <laughs> you want to maybe produce an EP maybe yeah. <laughs> yes. and it was really just moving forward on what we were already doing so and they're so fun to work with and it's so like it's so cool when a when two writers that you're working with are your house band. Like yes. that's it. We we kept it. We we did pre-production for like 2 weeks after we had written, you know, our six songs and we were just laying down like click and electric and violin ideas and harmony ideas and I you know, I put I put a little synthy thing on there and a mellotron and oh, now we need a mandolin and da da da. So by the time we got into the tracking room, where we were going to maybe do the drums and the bass and electric, but not necessarily. We had, you know, 20 tracks showing everybody exactly what we wanted this thing to sound like, because between the three of us, we, we yeah. played pretty much everything we needed to, to, to create the vibe of what we wanted the final product to be. And so their first two singles are out already. Third single is called Emotional Hangover, and it is appropriately coming out the day after Thanksgiving. Here in the land of 
So, if anybody has an emotional or otherwise hangover, yeah. okay. <laughs> uh, Friday the twenty fourth, it'll it'll be out, and right. uh, yeah, we have a okay. after that. Whose idea was it to cover Dave Matthews? Where are you going? We wanted to start with a cover. And I actually reached out to my sync licensing company in Nashville, Gold Sounds, and asked them, like, okay, can you give us a list of friendly covers, like, that are going to be easy for you to clear, you know, if we do this, ones that you know. And so they gave a list of artists and of songs that they just have heard are kind of, you know, people are looking for those, people are open to those, and the writers would, you know, will always say yes, and, you know, it won't be a pain in the butt. So I presented a list of those songs to them, and they're both huge fans of his, Dave Matthews. And wow. so that was, yeah, so, so that was their choice. Well, thank you. I haven't yes. heard it. I got to hear that. It's so Where good. Yeah, I remember yeah. the song. I just yeah. haven't heard their version of it. It's beautiful. I love it. Cool, I've had you. it on repeat since seeing you guys live. Well, good. I, I thought they were so, all three of you, obviously, but they were so good live. And I thought, I cannot wait to hear more of whatever this is because everybody was so strong. And I, I love that you're getting more opportunities to produce, you know? Yeah. And they, and I, uh, I'm very happy with those opportunities coming in that way. It's the yeah. most organic way. I'm yes. not like, you know, it's not like the phone rings and somebody, some random artist that I've never met is asking for this. It's like, no, we're going to write together. Yeah. We know that I know early on that I can bring some, when I start hearing production ideas in the writing process yeah. and they asked me if I want to do that, it was like, okay, yes, this, yeah. this is how I want this to roll. Yeah. Being a producer, you know, being that person, at least the way I do it, there are people I'm sure that produce in a way that moves, they can move a lot more quickly than I do, but the way that I work, it takes a lot of my time. And so I, if I'm doing like one or two of those a year max, that's perfect. Good. And they always, you know, start with the writing. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Garrison, are you aware that with your new My Sister, My Brother album, you have entered the ranks of Bad Company and Living in a Box by having a band, an album, and a song all caught titled the same thing. Oh, Did you I know didn't that? know that. No, I didn't. <laughs> Amazing. Great. There you yeah. go. Hey, thanks, yeah. John. That's sure. cool. Sure. Yeah. Bad Company have their album, Bad Company, and the, with the song Bad Company on it. Bad Company. Yes. Ooh, good Paul Rogers. And then Living <laughs> in a Box did the same thing. So, yeah, you've entered that, uh, the ranks there. I, I wondered. Think. Yes, of course. I wondered how we were talking earlier about how you guys, if you're going to be able to go on tour or whatever. If both of the My Sister, My Brother albums are basically EPs, you know, they're just True. short. Is that kind of your new, and you've put out a couple of EPs over the last couple of years. Is that your preferred way of music releasing nowadays? No, I mean, the, the thing, the reason why we did that for My Sister, My Brother was just because, like, we. Um, well, well, it's two reasons. Um, one, we were going to combine both records, but there was some, let's just say, technical difficulties with that because of the, the record was still unrecouped with the people that released it. So uh -huh. we needed to do, so we had to do, we couldn't use those songs on, and make one big record. So we decided to just take the new songs we had and make two EPs out of it. So it wasn't necessarily, we, we did it because that's how we had to do it, but it wasn't necessarily like... Oh, this will be more digestible or whatever. Um, but, you know, so so I guess to answer your question, I don't really have a preference there. I think, like, when I've done EPs, it's because I want to put something out and, you know, this is what I have and this seems like mm -hmm. a good collection of songs to release, you know. But there is, I mean, I do feel somewhat also like, you know, I don't really know what to do these days. Like, does, yeah. do, you even, do you even bother making music anymore? I don't know. You know what I mean? You, well, I mean, obviously yes, you do. I mean, if, I'm, I'm, I know. I'm obviously <laughs> but, but you releasing do. it on physical. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but know, but know. you know, yeah. like releasing it. I mean, what does that mean? I, I mean, if you don't have a champion somewhere. I mean, release it via TuneCore. I mean, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't really. I don't know. That's where I get a little bit like I start talking myself in circles. You know, because. Yeah. But but I, but Maya said something earlier that I also agree with, which is that I do believe like. Because I have to believe that, first of all, I have to believe that what's meant to be will be. 
and that I can't miss my own boat. Like there's a reason I'm out here doing this. And I don't know what that's going to look like ultimately, but you know, I'm an artist and this is what I do. And I have to believe that if I continue to do things that I believe in that are inspiring to me, they're going to find their place. You know, that just, that's what I have to believe. Otherwise I would have no reason to continue to offer anything up, you know, but at the same time, I think it's fair to be real, to be honest about the fact that it's challenging yeah. And especially for, you know, well, I'll just speak for myself, especially where I came from coming up in the business, the way I came up. I mean, it, it is like, I mean, it is, it's a little bit like, you know, being a, an injured animal in the wild. It's like, well, we just got to figure it out. My leg's broken. No, well, what are we going to, you know, to Maya's point, we got to just get to this lily pad, then we'll patch it up, then we'll get to the next place, then we'll figure it out then. Like that's, yeah. that's when I look back in my career, it's been a, it's been a like, fucking Afghanistan survival. I mean, you know, it's like I've been shot three times in the face. No problem. We'll work it out. Right, you know, I'll right, still get right. up there and do my thing. You know, I can get, yeah. I'll be ready by showtime. You yeah. know, it's like the, the, we were talking about just that, you know, a lot of people are really uneducated about the way people actually like what touring is actually like, you know, and not that we have to give all those secrets away. Cause it's, it's not a party uplifter, but you know, when I think about how, pro I am in the way that, you know, like, for instance, when Glenn and I were out on the road, you know, it's like Glenn and I, you know, whatever, any singer, songwriter, independent artist is like, you know, you're driving yourself, most likely, you're loading all your own shit in, you're putting up your own merch, I mean, thankfully, there's usually people to sell it, but that's not always the case, you know, you're loading everything, you're setting it, you're setting it up, then you're sound checking, then you're asking about the food, then you're asking about the dressing room, then you're asking about the hospitality, then you're asking about, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like the yes. job that an artist has to do and also play and then also talk to people for an hour afterwards and then pack it all up and get in the car and go stay at the Holiday Inn and do it all again the next day. I mean, it's a lot. Like you have yeah. to love it yeah. or else there is no reason to do it. You yes. know, it's like yeah. so much of the time it's just like, you know, I don't know. It's it's a it's a labor of love for most yeah. artists, really, because, yeah. I mean, you have to love it. Otherwise... Yeah. Again, like there's no reason to leave your, you know, to shave your legs for the shit. I mean, honestly. Yeah. And it's you, the people, the connections, like that's what that, it is. Absolutely that. And you, yeah. So you have to love <laughs> the work itself and hopefully the human connections that you make. You have to be in it for that. You can't be in it for perceived rewards or yeah. That's, or yeah. you're in the wrong place. <clears throat> well, yeah, and I, right. and you know, I hate to break it down this way, but it's like, you know, when people reach out and say, how come you never come to this place or that place? And it's like, the truth is there, I can't afford to come to this place yeah. or that place. Yeah. Yeah. Are you going to rally up some people to like, make sure that I can afford to come there? Cause otherwise it's like, it, you know, and it sucks. Cause when yeah. people reach out and say, please come here, you're like, man, I'd love nothing more than to snap my fingers and be able to come play for you and your friends. But I mean, yeah, they always mean well, but they do every, they of really course they do. Understand but, that you can't just like roll into their favorite club and it's going to be full. Right. right. And, and that you press or yeah. history or something. Or a yeah. club owner that actually gives a flying fuck that you're playing at their place. Yeah. That pays you well and treats you with respect and makes sure you're, te- I mean, that stuff doesn't exist as much anymore. It's almost worse when a club owner loves you but has no idea how many people are possibly going to show up. And so really? you end up playing the club. Yeah. So you end up saying yes, because they are fired up because yeah. they're a fan. And then it, you know, it's, it's your first time in that city and you, you're just kind of trusting it. Uh-huh. And I still, you know, I learned how to avoid those, the places that probably aren't going to equal a fiscally successful day. I've, I've learned mostly how to avoid those now after, you know, 25 years of doing it. Yeah. But every now and then I still get bit. I still fall for one of them. Like, some club owner right. loves you so much. Please come play at my club and then no one's there. Yeah, and there's just like, you know, 10 people or whatever. And But but sometimes there's like that person that's like, I never thought you'd come here. I'm so glad yeah. you came here. I'm yeah. so sorry that there were 40 empty seats. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. All right. You know, and then even there, it's like, okay, I can find something in this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's rough. I was just, I, I, um, I still collect CDs. I have a couple thousands of them, but I only ever listen to CDs in the car. I never play them in the house. I don't, 
Other, they're not practical in any other way in my life. We have two cars. One is a Tesla, which doesn't have a CD player, yeah. and which we bought before Elon turned into a douchebag. And then the other one is a like a minivan for the whole family, right? Well, my oldest daughter just got her license a couple of months ago, and so she's been driving the minivan more, and will probably take it off to college here in another year and a half. So my wife and I, right before we hopped on, we're looking, we're about to buy a new car. And the new car doesn't have a CD player. Mm -hmm. And so both <laughs> pretty soon here, both of the cars that I have, neither of them are going to have CD players. Yeah. And I've got a room full of like 3000 CDs upstairs that will have no home. There's no place to, to use these things. Sucks. And I'm, it's, I feel like I'm coming to a crossroads in my life where it's like, I love these things. I've invested, you know, decades of my life in in every piece of work that i have here and there's no place to use any of them anymore you know and yeah. i buy them at concerts to support the people that i see i yeah. i all of it i i don't know what to do it's kind of scary well yeah it is and our side of that is and something that you were asking about um earlier is like I know that every time I feel like it's time to make another project, EP or single or album, I these days I reevaluate the entire model of how that, how that can happen. It used to be the first freaking what, seven, eight albums were like, here's how you do it. Mm -hmm. yeah. But like nine was like or maybe I'm at ten now, I don't even know. But whatever. Like Seven, I had to start thinking about it. Is this really how I still want to do it independently? Eight, you know, eight was different. My next thing, I like that thing that you just said, that's probably going to equal don't press CDs. We, but are people more in vinyl? Like people bought well, like the house yeah. concert last night. There was just as much vinyl sold as CD. People now are doing the thing that you did with CDs. They're buying vinyl even when they don't have a turntable yeah. because at least it feels like a piece of art. It's bigger and you get lyrics and that, you know, and maybe one day I will get a turntable, you know, or like go dust off the Vitrola from the basement, right? <laughs> so, you know, are you finding yourself getting more into vinyl or are you listening? No. I purposely Spotify do in the house? Spotify, yeah. I yeah. purposely do not collect vinyl. Because I know that I would spend every penny we have. I would, I would, <laughs> I, I'm just too addictive of a personality when it comes to music. And I would go into every thrift store and I would buy the strangest looking records that I've never heard of before and just think, I have to know what this is. You that's know? part of the fun of it, though, I feel I like. I know it is. And that's why I force <laughs> myself not to do it because I don't trust but myself. I just keep thinking every time I put a record out, I keep thinking, yeah, I'm not going to need to make CDs. And then you go and like you make CDs and they always yeah. sell. Like oh, I keep good. waiting for the day good. that no CDs are going to be selling, but they always okay. do. I think there's good. a... There's just an age group of people, I yeah. think, that still enjoy that. So I then, just don't have any so, CD players. I don't have yeah. a place to play. Are you going to press these for your next project? Probably. I'm, I'm right at the precipice, or I'm wondering if that's... Not expensively. You know, yeah. I really yeah. have a place out here, Hollywood Discs, that's amazing. You can print up sleeves. Like, I mean, they're 100 at a time. Like, he does, like, these, like, small runs. It's mm -hmm. great. So it's not that expensive. But for, like, you know, $250, I can print up... A hundred Steve okay. CDs, yeah. so that's not a big risk to take. You're probably going to get rid of those, as you know. But like you said too, there's plenty of people who will buy stuff just because they want to support you. They understand yes. they need to do that, but they don't really mm -hmm. know. You know, they'll be like, "Whatever, I'll buy that and use it as a coaster, or at least I have a representation <laughs> of the fact that right. I came to your show, which <laughs> right. is yeah. which is so nice. You know, that's yeah. really, you know, that's the way. I mean, look, that's that's how people. That's how we're all surviving, right? It's like, yeah. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand that, you know, people need to survive. So we need to patronize businesses and we need to help each other by like, you know, investing yeah. in each other so we can continue to thrive. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that's everything, you know, I that's, know. if that was the attitude that we all had walking through the world, the world would be a different place. There mm -hmm. wouldn't be private privatized fucking, you know, healthcare for profit. If people really understood what that was doing, yeah. You know, if we didn't have people that were completely disconnected with humanity from humanity running these places that they're so rich, they don't remember how it is to struggle. We wouldn't have any of these problems. You know, yeah. we wouldn't. Yeah, I know it's true. Well, ladies, I, I hope that uh, I just love you both. And I just wanted to 
add a add a, a another spotlight to the great work that the two of you do. Thank you so much, and John. We love you too. Course. Yeah, well, really. Thank you for saying uh, that. We do. I just I think I believe in the both of you so deeply, and I love everything you put out in the world. And I just want to share it with as many people as I can. So thanks Thank for you. everything. Thank you. Cool, Thank Seriously. you very much. From the bottom of my heart, man. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Of course. I'll let you know when this comes out. It'll be out in the next few weeks or whatever. And uh, if you yeah. don't share it or whatever. And oh, I, meant what I, I have to know, Maya, have you listened to Save It For A Rainy Day by Stephen Bishop? Because uh, that that's the song oh. that I emailed you about. I I was Didn't listening I to it the other night and it is so you. I wonder if I listened right when you told me about it. Really? Okay. Because it's he's only had a couple of hits. It's one of his bigger hits. And the phrasing in in there sounds just all of it. The it sounds so much like you to me. I love it. Yes, I will listen again because I think okay. I did wrong. I was like, what what's he talking about? Yes. And then I just yeah. much, you could tell me I'm crazy if you want, but it just struck me so deeply how similar you two sounded that night. Anyway. Cool. All right. No. Dude, I, I love, love that T-shirt. What is that T-shirt, real quick? It's uh, it's from here. I'll sit up a little bit. Mary there was a, yeah. I know it's weird. There was an That's '80s band called the Cruzados, who um, the lead singer is named Tito Lariva, and in the early '80s, he was in one of those hardcore punk bands called the Plugs, and they put out two major label albums in the mid '80s. Very heartland rock, kind of like Mellencamp, or you know. Uh, Hornsby or that kind of a sound, you know, Neil Young, maybe around that time. Yeah. And they split up and the Tito is now a solo artist. Anyway, the other guys put out some music recently and I had them on and he sent me this t-shirt in return. It's way too small for me. It's I'm wow. like a fat guy in a little t-shirt. Listen, if you get, if you get fatter and you can't fit in that t-shirt, mail it to me. Cause I'm getting fatter too. And I can fit into that. And then you can get yourself another shirt. <laughs> and okay. Your shirt reminds me if you haven't already heard of it. Have you, are you hit to Metalachi? No. What's Metalachi? It is a mariachi band that covers wow. hard rock songs. Really? Yeah, like metal Inner songs. Sandman and shit. Well, it's like living on a prayer. <gasps> yeah. Um, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's like <laughs> with the trumpet, you know, and the basso sexto, and the and like. It's the full on mariachi band, but they're, <laughs> they're yeah, but they're covering hard songs. That's amazing. Okay. Metalachi. I got a lot of baby. Okay. <laughs> it's so cool. <laughs> I may mail this to you then, uh, Garrison, or I'll send you a couple links to Cruzado songs. I like yeah, tell me. I mean, I, I would love to. I really love that t shirt. I'll buy that sure. shirt. Okay. I will. Dude, Thank you, ladies. You're the best. Have a wonderful day. Thank You're you the best. So Thanks Thank so much. All right. There you go. Maya and Garrison. Again, we love these two. I just I think they're so special at what they do, their singing voices, their ability to write songs, their talent. It's immense. I just love them. And I hope you guys do too. And I want to just try and spread the word and get the word out about how great they are. Uh, we're going to close it out since we opened with the Sarah and Shannon song. We're going to close it out with a My Sister, My Brother song. This is Shelter. This is off the new EP, which is called My Sister, My Brother 2. The first EP was just called My Sister, My Brother. And uh, get a feel for just how amazing these two, Garrison and Sean, sound together and how intense these songs are. And get, then, as I said earlier, just go back and look into deep, more deeply into their solo stuff because it's so good. Uh, as far as bonus material go, we still have one more deep dive in the can. I don't know if, if it'll come out in time before the holidays. It might be later. It's, you know, it's a crazy time of year. I'm recording another deep dive this week that I'm pretty stoked about, actually. Um, I think you guys are going to love this one, too. And, uh, and then we have another book club that's going to come out in January or February. So anyway, the bonus stuff just keeps coming. Anyway, thanks, everyone. We love you. Thanks for listening. And please check out the girls.
Shoulder. 